Hey everybody and welcome back to the Off The Key Podcast where we talk about music of all varieties. I'm your host Mac and today I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, Garrett. Big Ups Belgium. And James. Hello there. And today we are talking about the eponymous debut studio album from rock band Van Halen. Not to be confused with Van Hagar. (laughs) Yes, definitely not. Van Halen 1 as it's colloquially known. Yes, Van Halen won. And this was actually all Jamesy boys pick over here. So James, give us some insight into why you picked this album. I picked this because it is one of the most impactful rock albums ever made. Basically, the rock sound of the 80s was determined by this album. <laughs> Mainly the guitar sound, the guitar playing the guitar methodology, it revolutionized how people approached the guitar. Eddie Van Halen, who should be on the Mount Rushmore of guitarists, he, I won't say invented, but he certainly popularized the act of shredding, of tapping. It was from him that all of that came from. Most guitarists can consider themselves very fortunate to create or popularize a sound or a technique or a production style or et cetera, et cetera, what have you. Eddie really did like three or four of those. Two-handed tapping, the phaser flanger pedal, custom building your own guitar, which he did several times, and shredding. I mean, he has like all four of those in his creative metaphorical bag that's insane he is not in like the legendary list of modern rock guitarists he's not in the top 10 of like most talented of all time as far as most creative and most influential they're in the top five easy especially influential holy crap initially when i heard this album i wasn't that impressed and then i saw when it came out and i realized that oh wait they started this all (laughs) yes this is where this entire sound came from. Released on February 10th, 1978, it created a revolution in rock. That little four year or four or five year span of like 78 to like 81, 82 is the best in rock music. That little span only to be contested with like 68 to 72. Those are the two best periods of rock music. You could make an argument for some of 73 and 74. Maybe 76. I tend to agree, especially 68 to 72. But with that being said, we should probably get into a little bit of backstory about Van Halen for anybody that doesn't know. If you don't know, what are you doing? Where have you been? Get out of that rock. Did you check in to the Patrick Star Airbnb? But I will let you know the most important um, person in Van Halen's legacy. Hi, I'm Gene Simmons from Kiss, and uh, I discovered them. And (laughs) That is true. They actually were discovered by none other than Gene Simmons of Kiss. So, if you're wondering, Van Halen was an American rock band formed in Pasadena, California in 1972, known for the sheer virtuosity of none other than Eddie Van Halen. But there are a few other members that make this group, this lineup, so special. First, we have his brother, Alex Van Halen, on drums, David Lee Roth on vocals, and Michael Anthony on bass and drums to make the core Van Halen lineup. Interestingly, the brothers 
Eddie and Alex were actually born in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Their family moved to Pasadena, California in 1962, and Eddie began learning classical piano by ear and became so proficient at it that he won several piano recital contests despite never learning to sight-read sheet music. Both Eddie and Alex were prodigies at a very young age. Eventually, the brothers began playing together during the 1960s with Eddie on drums and Alex on guitar. While Eddie was delivering newspapers to pay off his drum set, Alex developed a passion for the drums. Due to brotherly competition, Eddie told Alex, okay, you play drums and I'll play guitar. And thus, the core of Van Halen was born. Throughout the 60s, they formed their first band, The Broken Combs, gaining local popularity by playing backyard parties and high school functions. And the group changed their name several times until eventually landing on simply Van Halen in 1973. During that time, the group it picked up David Lee Roth on vocals and Mark Stone on bass. And by 1974, the band had replaced Mark Stone due to his indecisiveness about a music career with Michael Anthony, a college classmate of Eddie's. By the mid-1970s, the band became a successful act in the Los Angeles club scene, booking regular gigs at several clubs along the Sunset Strip. And eventually the band was noticed by none other than Gene Simmons of KISS. Simmons had actually produced a 29-track Van Halen demo tape for the band, and he was really enthusiastic about Van Halen, but his management said no big time. He said they were never going to make it. Fools. They got pretty big in the Los Angeles bar scene, the Los Angeles club scene. That's kind of how they got their notoriety as like a local band. They would play countless gigs weekly on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. But yeah, they would play various gigs in clubs in the Sunset Strip, but eventually they were noticed by Doug Messenger of Van Morrison, who had convinced Ted Templeman, the band's producer at the time, to come see Van Halen perform at Starwood in Hollywood. Accompanied by Warner Bros. exec Mo Austin, Messenger was so impressed by their performance that they wrote a letter of intent on a napkin and met the same week at a local diner to discuss a contract. Yeah, they follow in the same like vein as other hard rock bands of that time by being like fierce bar and club venue tours, like touring constantly and getting this like high energy, wild kind of live show to build that reputation and then go from there. And it was easy to attract, you know, spotters from there. And it's not only just about building reputation, it's cutting your teeth. It's your nose on the grindstone, you know, it, developing their chops and developing their stage presence and their their live presence. A lot of times bands will use live shows to actually work on songs and see how the reception is to the way they do a certain thing or they have a certain part of the song written. Yeah, they were definitely in the incubation chamber when it came to their live shows and their bar shows. Van Halen is really the classic story of a bar band going big. After signing a very sketchy and questionable deal with Warner Bros. In fact, this deal would actually leave them a million dollars in debt after they toured. They began work on their legendary, acclaimed debut studio album, Van Halen 1. So the album was recorded in three weeks at Sunset Sound Recorders in Hollywood with the bulk of the material coming from their live shows. In a way, all that experience that they had from playing in bars, clubs, you know, just refining their sound, figuring out their stage presence really paid off because all of the cuts on Van Halen 1 are just stuff from their live performance sets. At some points of this album, it definitely shows up. They didn't have a whole lot of stuff in the bag to pull from, and they were giving everything that they had currently to put on because a few tracks 
feel a little bit unfinished. Like they should have been left on the burner a little bit longer. It has a raw sound and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but this album definitely could use some refinement. That was probably one of my biggest issues, but I am impressed with how strong this debut is for a a bar band from LA. The album being unrefined is exactly what makes it so great. It's just pure, raw, high energy, wild, raunchy, crazy, dirty, gritty rock and roll. Honestly, one of my biggest issues with this album is just how throwaway most of the lyrics are. You said it yourself, James. They're like a step above ACDC. But yeah. that's <laughs> a lot of the lyrics are pretty shallow. It's really just all about having fun. And that's yeah, it's just party music. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it was written to be. There are some songs on here that have a little bit of a deeper meaning. Like I think Running With The Devil is basically about living the wild life, living on the edge and the consequences that come along with that. If you want David Lee Roth getting into like a semblance of some lyrical integrity, you should listen to Fair Warning by Van Halen. Yes. All right. It's probably the most social that he ever gets with his lyrics and commentary. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, hey, everything's got to be deep, introspective and thoughtful and interesting, but like, you know, I don't know, some of these lyrics, I was just like, that joke you make all the time, Garrett, you know, you could just read lines from the phone book and it would still match the song. I feel like that is the point, especially if you're into jam bands, like, man, the band, you know, like the OCs, I could not tell you what a song of theirs is about. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking off too much for that. I'm just saying that it was something that really stuck out to me. You can't deny how awesome the guitar work is. This is definitely a guitarist's album. I mean, Eruption, <laughs> I know that was an interlude, but that was probably one of my favorite songs here. Eruption is one of the most famous and greatest guitar solos of all time. That solo changed so many lives and so many guitarists forever. Not only changed, but inspired new guitarists. Hundreds of thousands of new guitarists were directly inspired by that solo. It was literally so inspirational that they decided to do like the thought experiment. Like, what would happen if you played van halen to someone in like the 50s just like what back to the future did they were like oh and it's like you know it's almost incomprehensible yeah (laughs) this is an anecdote of old friend from back in the day they said when they first heard eruption they genuinely thought it had to be two or more guitarists playing at the same time when they found out it was just one their head exploded you guys know me you know sometimes i'm a little indifferent towards classic rock and that's because it's been shoved down my throat for my entire existence but i gotta give it to eddie man he's a killer don't take it from me take it from the hundreds of thousands of guitarists that were inspired by him literally all the music that came after van halen that sounds like van halen copycats yeah i will say i i mean i do like van halen but their legacy i do think it's worn them down a little bit my dad it's this phrase that he uses for when there's a somewhat negative impact on music even though the artists themselves were amazing he calls it the eddie van halen effect (laughs) perfectly said honestly i think it should be renamed it should be the eminem effect (laughs) yeah i mean getting shredders like steve Vai and satrion i mean like is that really as bad as getting like mgk (laughs) that needs to get renamed asap or the U2 effect. I was going to say yeah, the exact enough. same thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes an artist's legacy does not match the quality of their music, and I definitely think that is the case with Van Halen because I think they're great. I enjoyed 
a large number of these tracks here. Although, ironically, one of my favorite was the Ice Cream Man. It's because David Lee Roth has this this 50s show tunes, doo-wop inspired style, style in, in a lot of his tracks. It only makes sense when he did solo and he did... You know, a lot of these, just like his cover of, you know, Just a Gigolo by Louis Prima. And not to mention that uh, Michael Anthony and Eddie Van Halen give really good backup vocals that fit his sound. So it doesn't really lack in any area of, of like, instrumentation and, like, vocal delivery. Everything, every part is solid. I am impressed by how much variety there is on this album. Because, you know, I haven't listened to Van Halen a lot. I mean, I've listened to a good bit. You know, I've heard, like, Running With The Devil and and other big Van Halen hits like dropping that, but I've never really sat down and listened to a proper Van Halen album all the way through. And I was surprised by the variety. I mean, I'm the one that's another highlight for me. It's kind of in that same like doo-wop inspired fifties style. And I really, really enjoyed that, especially the second half when it starts to pick up. David Lee Roth was heavily, heavily influenced and inspired by, well, pretty much all the music of that era. And that's what he, he made a great effort to make Van Halen an homage to that music, but heavier and grittier. I've heard many family members, friends, and even some critics criticize David Lee Roth for his pure singing ability. And the thing to remember is David Lee Roth can sing. Just listen to Ice Cream Man. Two, first and foremost, David Lee Roth was a front man. He is a performer, and that's what he concentrated on more than anything else. His job was to get the crowd energized. And that's exactly what he did every night. David Lee Roth is a front man's front man. And the band itself just has a stupid amount of stage presence. Yeah, I was watching. I was actually watching some of their live shows from like the, the late 70s, early 80s. I was impressed. I was getting excited watching them play. And I think it just really shows with their bar band background. I mean, they really have refined their live shows or did when they were still around. The, the album is a lot of big, dumb fun with some sick guitar solos. I get why this album was so big with the people. Because it was a huge commercial success. I like the 90s. It was Diamond, right? For me, I'm the One is my favorite track on the album. We haven't uh, gotten to it yet, but we've been talking about David Lee Roth and Eddie and all that and their impact on guitarists and front men and their influences. But you have to give some love to Van Halen's rhythm section. Alex Van Halen is one of the greatest rock drummers ever. I love his use of cymbal work. Uh, that's that was my favorite. That's probably my favorite like style of drummers like him and like Stuart Copeland is just their use and their prominence mm-hmm. of their cymbal work, and that's why what makes them a lot different than a lot of the drummers of that time. Alex and Michael Anthony are an incredibly tight rhythm section, and it really shows. And I am the one. And you guys know how much I love rhythm sections. <laughs> Yeah, you talk about it on every episode. <laughs> I, I know, I, I know. I'm I can't just... help it. On I'm the One in particular, Michael Anthony, this thumping, walking bass line that just lays the ground for the whole thing. And Alex is on his famous shuffle double bass pattern that he would go on to use in songs like Hot for Teacher. A lot of people will recognize Hot for Teacher by its shuffling double bass drum pattern. Well, I'm the one is the first song that he used that in. Alex swings so, so well on this song. Another great track for me is Ain't Talking About Love. Every guitar part that Eddie has in that song is just wonderful. And just the intensity that Van Halen brought to 
the kinks, you really got me. And it's a perfect segue from Eruption. In fact, a lot of times on the radio, they actually play those songs paired Eruption into You Really Got Me. I will say there are some tracks on here that I did not care for. And it starts really with the second half. I think the second half is very shaky. Starts right away with the sixth track, Jamie's Crying. I think that is the corniest track on this album. <laughs> Just that, that Yeah, but it's, it's, on, it's honest, though. I can't stand the chorus. Yeah. The wailing chorus. It's designed that way on purpose. It's it's Jamie's crying. It's a song about someone weeping about lost love. And they really took that to 11. They took it literally and made you really feel it. Yeah, I bet in a live setting it would be more entertaining. And, you know, it makes sense given that almost all of these tracks were from their live shows. Here in a in a studio context, I, I, did, I, I just did not care for it. On your point about David Lee Roth, I was thinking to myself, because I, I was reading about that and how a lot of people complain about his vocals. They didn't bother me. I, I really wasn't that put off by his vocals. Yeah, I mean, they kind of sounded amateurish, but he can sing. He has proven he can sing on Ice Cream Man. He sounds fantastic on that song. David Lee Roth is a lot less annoying than the vocalists that were doing that relative style in that time period, like Aerosmith. This oh, is, this shit. Is a, Man's talking shit about Steven Tyler. Okay, you might be on to some cap depending on what on what you bring, on what kind of songs you bring up. Yeah, I mean Stephen Tyler, like he does this thing. It's that screeching. You know exactly what I'm talking. about. Oh yeah, you're talking about like late '80s, '90s Stephen Tyler. Okay, that's fine. Like '80s Stephen Tyler, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) We did a bit of that in the '70s too. Yeah, it wasn't as bad in the '70s, but still, I I think I think David Lee Roth is a better frontman than Stephen Tyler. No, I I agree with that. Hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Steven's got chops, but, like, God, he, he uses them in the worst way possible, if you ask me. You know, I complain a lot about Mustaine on, on our Rust in Peace review, but I feel like people kind of throw them in the same category of, like, good, bad singers. David Lee Roth has a lot more charisma than Dave Mustaine. A lot more. That, it's that charisma that makes the difference. Think about his vocal lines on Ain't Talking About Love, especially during the breakdown, like, he just brings so much attitude and oomph and confidence to it. And that's really, to me, what makes the difference between a great frontman and a good frontman. He's just all about David Lee Roth, and it makes it work because he believe, he's, he has that conviction in everything he does. So even when he tries to do things that are a little bit above his capability, you still believe it. You're still like, you know, that doesn't even sound half bad. Whereas Mustaine, when he does it, or someone like that, you're just kind of like, he's going above his limits. When yeah. Dave does it, it's like, okay, Dave, do whatever you want to, man. Yeah. It's, it's, you're just, you're just live, you're vibing, you're standing, you're living in your lane. It's okay. <laughs> and believe me, David Lee Roth has done just about everything. He, he even served as a paramedic for a while. <laughs> I love his, his like screams though, and like his screeches in Atomic Punk though. That might be one of my favorite Van Halen deep cuts, period. Yeah. Part of his signature sound is this. Have you guys ever heard singers harmonize with themselves? Like yeah. they'll sing two notes at once. David does that a lot. That's what his screeches sound like. There's almost two voices in, coming out of one person. They show that they can do like the slow, kind of methodic song, and that every song doesn't need to be like 100 miles per hour. They can slow it down a little bit yeah. and make a good, good song, you know. Eddie doesn't have to shred the whole time to sound good. You know, everybody always describes Van Halen as like, oh, they, they do these crazy shredding solos all the time. And I'm like, yeah, they do that. But they also have 
a significant amount of variety. And that's what really set this album apart for me. Now, what I call this album perfect, no. One thing that, that I just find so peculiar is the critical reception. Critically, this album was dookied on for the first couple of years. It goes to show you that opinions change over time and that sometimes it really takes a while for things to sink in. Now it's regarded as one of the best rock debuts of all time. I think one of the biggest reasons for its popularity with the people, its commercial success, was the authenticity of the album, of the music, of the band. David, Eddie, Alex, Michael, they all just stayed true to themselves. They weren't trying to put out a project. They were putting their entire soul into this music, and they were just trying to have fun. And that's exactly what they did. And that resonated with a lot of people. Well, well. I guess we'll go ahead and get into our final thoughts here, guys. Bangers. Absolute bangers. Every one of these songs, even if they're forgettable, or even if you think they're bad, you cannot deny that every song has a great Eddie Van Halen riff. I mean, he pretty much crapped them out for an entire decade. That is the exact same with this album. You know, Their debut through the end of David Lee Ross' tenure. He is going absolute 100%. He is, was setting in stone his tribute to like the rock Bible. Uh, Michael Anthony was giving a great thumping, live-sounding, raw, organic sound with Alex Van Halen, propping Eddie up with this rhythm section. And David Lee Roth was being David Lee Roth. He's not really one of those guys that has been copied well, but... He is his own personality. Now, everyone gets their moment. Everyone takes equal spotlight. And despite, you know, Eddie Van Halen's, like, stratospheric influence, it feels like everyone gets their fair share in this album, which I think is very impressive. Uh, I'd give this album a nine, actually. You know what? I'll even give it a nine and a half. I think that if some of these tracks, if two of these tracks sat in the, sat in the microwave a little bit and allowed to cook a little bit longer... And some parts added, maybe changed, and they didn't have to like dump almost every song they had onto the debut album. I, I think that this could actually be a ten. Well said, Garrett. You know, I'm a bit of an outsider looking in here. I've never really, I've heard Van Halen before, but I've never really dived deep into their music. And I will say, I was pretty impressed coming in. You know, being a millennial, not growing up with this music, and coming back to it, I could really picture the era that this album came from. And I understand the importance and the historical influence that this had on music for decades to come. And for that, I've got to give it some praise. But when you actually listen to the album and sit down, it's still great. You know, there's a lot of variety. You know, when I, when I walked into this album, I was expecting 900 Eddie Van Halen guitar solos and, you know, David Lee Roth screeching over all of them. It's all fun. You know, the lyrics are pretty shallow, they might as well not be there, if you ask me. You could literally say anything over those lyrics, and it probably wouldn't change much. Basically what Zappa does. For the most part, I, I only really disliked a couple of songs, and those were the ones where I feel like the live show intent doesn't really work. Like Especially Jamie's Crying and Feel Your Love Tonight. I, I felt those songs were particularly corny. Overall, I think it's a solid album. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10, because I... Walked away impressed. I was impressed, and I did really enjoy the album, but I wasn't completely and utterly blown away like 
so many other people are, and that may just have something to do with my own bias. I still think it's a great album, and I, it absolutely deserves all the praise it gets. The thing that makes this album stand out and this band pre-1984 is the fact that they were true to themselves and they did exactly and only what they wanted to do and what they felt was the most fun, the authenticity. That's what makes this album for me. It's not just the fun. It's not just the energy. It's not just the wild, crazy riffs and the amazing drums and bass and the screeching of David Lee Roth. It's real. All right, let me go get a Bud Light and we'll talk about Led Zeppelin. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Both of y'all kiss my ass. It's one of the essential classic rock albums, and it deserves a pedestal and a spotlight in the rock pantheon. I will give this album a nine and a half out of 10. This is without a doubt a rock classic. Don't take it from us. Take it from the endless praise influence and critical nut hugging that this album gets. Yes, especially by the reviewers in 78 and 79. Make sure you definitely go and listen to what they they had to say. Yes. And if you're a fan of Eric Johnson and Joe Satriani, Steve Vai and Ingwe Malmsteen and all those ridiculous guitarists, be sure to thank Eddie Van Halen first. R.I.P. Rest in peace. With that being said, any final thoughts, guys? All good. All righty. Well, this is Off the Key Podcast, and we're out of here. Thanks. I've got to I've got to say slash do two things first. Mac, have you heard Mean Street by Van Halen? No. We put, Jamie, Jamie, pull that shit up because that <laughs> I that think I fit. Eruption is more technically. here and i just wanted to give a shout out to le crembo for the intro and outro music also check out our link tree for where to follow us we are on instagram and facebook and a variety of streaming platforms and if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow it'd be greatly appreciated thanks guys see you later